Hi, welcome to the Mother's Guide Through Autism podcast. This podcast is to inspire, support, and build community for mothers raising children with autism. I'm Bridget Shipman, the host and creator of the Mother's Guide Through Autism. This podcast has been inspired by my son, Joseph, who has been living with autism for the past 28 years. Today, we are going to be listening to Joseph Shipman. Joseph is my son, and he is the person that helped me create this podcast. He is the reason that I do this podcast. He is, as I have said before, one of my very best life teachers. And now he's helping me spread knowledge and inspiration and hope to anyone who is listening to us on our journey with autism. So Joseph is going to be both the guest and the host today as he has created something that he would like to share with both parents and anyone who is living on the spectrum about his perspective, his insights, and some of the things that Joseph has learned on his journey living with autism. So here is one of my very best life teachers, as I'm so proud to introduce my son as your host today. Enjoy. And I cannot wait to hear what your insight that you gain from listening to Joseph's experience. Hi, everyone. And thank you, Mom, for not only producing this wonderful podcast, but also for tasking me with being the host and presenter of this episode's topic. And that's just going to be going over the things that I've learned about becoming an adult on the autism spectrum. And I'm glad that I've been tasked with this because... One thing that I like to do among, you know, other sorts of specific things is to just analyze society, how it works. And of course, when it's due to critique things that tend to be wrong with it and people on the autism spectrum and those who know people on the spectrum are likely no stranger to this, especially those that listen to this podcast. And one of those things that I tend to have an issue with is that. Autism is often seen as a thing that only happens to children, you know, like whenever we see it in TV shows, you know, on Netflix or wherever it is that you may uh, watch entertainment, you usually find a sort of child. And that's not exactly wrong, of course. Many people on the spectrum are children, and it's very important to look for signs of it when they're children so it can be addressed adequately. But there's always going to come the question of what to do when they become young adults, because obviously they're not going to be children forever. Uh, growing up is going to have to be a thing that we address. And that's why I'm glad that I've been tasked with uh, going over the things that I've learned with you, because I feel it'll help a lot of people be able to make sense of a world that even to people that aren't on the spectrum is uh, quite crazy and definitely uncertain. So I've put together a list of several things that I've learned in my 29 years of living 
And the first thing I want to go over is addressed, of course, to the wonderful mother guides, father guides, or other parent, parent or guardian guides that may be listening. And this might go without saying when it comes to the goal of making sure that the young people that we're raising, our children, are able to live authentic, meaningful, and fulfilling lives is to let them start to do more things. You know, you never learn anything without taking risk. And this is always something that's going to be at least somewhat counterintuitive, especially for those of our listeners that may be raising people on the spectrum, because, you know, it is called special needs for a reason. There are particular things that you have to look out for. And like any parent, the fear of putting your child at unnecessary risk is magnified you know, to greater or lesser extents. So it's really understandable, you know, why I see some parents and have heard of some parents of people in the spectrum that unfortunately tend to shelter their children. And of course, you can't let them just do any old thing. No parent would agree with that, whether or not your child is autistic, but you have to let there be an appropriate amount of risk level. You got to be able to be like, you know, maybe there has been a problem with an amusement park in the past, but we've been working, say, on auditory therapy. Maybe we ought to give something a try now. Now, again, keep in mind what that thing is is entirely up to you. It should be up to you. I'm not trying to prescribe any particular risk to be taking, but this point right here is more or less just a a sort of attitude to be taking on going forward. I think many of our guide listeners would agree with me when I say that I think the ultimate goal of raising children is to make sure that they are adults who can live authentic, fulfilling, and meaningful lives. And being authentic is the only way to get to the fulfilling and the meaningful part. And in order to be able to be authentic, you got to expose yourself to a lot of different things. It may be painful, but that is the only way we can learn things and how we can ultimately be happier in the end. And this attitude will, I hope, lead very naturally into my next point, which again is for our wonderful guides, which is from this point of view to have your child or young adult gradually start to take on more responsibilities, life responsibilities. Like, um, I know it's rather common for a lot of children these days to be uh, getting really rather advanced technology in terms of cell phones and tablets. But of course, even though 29 is still relatively young, we didn't exactly have that kind of access to technology, but I think it was rather appropriate when I got my first cell phone at the age of 16. And it's not just simply being gifted the phone, mind you. I had to pay the bills on it, you know, and sign the contract to get the down payment, you know, and once I was able to get a hold on that, then gradually I started to take on other responsibilities that led me to gain more independence, like getting a car, paying for the insurance on the car. And I think the thing that's really important with this too, is that this is really good at building experience without 
overwhelming with a bunch of pressure all at once. Like, you know, once the kid turns 18, okay, go out there and live your life, you know, not knowing how to pay any bills or buy a car or any of that. And being overwhelmed is, of course, something that can be, you know, not only daunting for people who are neurotypical, but it's especially daunting for people on the spectrum. I know even to this day, I can get pretty overwhelmed sometimes. But it's a good thing that as early as possible, you know, you are able to take on more responsibilities like that. Because then you can go at your own pace. And when you're ready, you'll at least have been doing certain things already to be able to get a grasp on how to pay rent and utilities and other such necessary responsibilities of living an independent adult life in, you know, our modern world. Now, since independence is the goal here, I felt that it was appropriate for the rest of my several points to be addressed to young autistic people. Because, of course, you can't exactly live an independent life without, you know, doing the living of it. And as important as it is for parents to be involved and supportive in their children's lives, ultimately, they have to do the living. So this is for you guys who are about to go through living it just like I did. And this point right here is going to be like your number one for the parents. This is going to be the baseline level of where you're going to be operating from here. At least I hope it will be. And that is to think about what that thing that you really want out of life or the things that you really want out of life is then figure out what's needed in order to live that life as much as possible. Because, I mean, you and I both know it. Life is this huge, big thing with some pretty interesting things, but also bad things. And lots of people, philosophers, geniuses, scholars, religious leaders, have all figured out, or tried to figure out, rather, <laughs> what the point of all this is. And maybe this is just me, but it feels to me like as long as we're living this life thing, we might as well do those things that we want, you know. And it's really important to be able to really pick out what your niche is and to nail what you really want your life experience from this point forward to be like. Because, of course, you kind of had to be taught some basic things by your parents how to make sure you're well-nourished and well-fed, how to interact with other people, how to be able to make a living and so on. But these are all just things that you need to be able to do in order to ultimately be able to live the life that you want and to do the things you want to do, watch the things you want to watch, etc. So whenever it is that you have some time or whenever you have time, take some of it to really ponder and reflect, really get in touch with who you are at the deepest possible level. And when you start from there, you'll be able to better figure out what it is that you really want. Because I know making a choice can sometimes be really difficult, but the great thing about living life is, is that even if it isn't guaranteed, you have infinite possibilities to make all different kinds of choices. And it's up to you to make them. And in order to figure out which ones are 
the right ones to make for you, you got to know who you are. So figure out who you are and what you really want. This is of paramount importance. Now, for my next point, I want to go into some of the stuff it might take in order to actually be able to act out what it is that you want in life. And I know it's usually tradition to present the bad news first. So the bad news is whether it's before or during tackling what it is that you really want, you will more than likely need to get some kind of day job. And I know, I know most of them really suck. Okay. But the way things are in the modern world, you do have to have a steady income from somewhere. And like a lot of autistic people, it does tend to be a thing that autistic people will tend to find things that they find inconsistent and especially unfair or arbitrary to be, you know, well, why participate in that? You know, it's silly. I'm not going to do that. And I really get it. You know, the way that a lot of jobs work and the way that having to get an income works, a lot of it does really uh, function very terribly, honestly. It is rather a silly system. I share that sentiment with a lot of people. But the great thing is that these aren't the only kinds of jobs that there are out there. Now, sometimes... It can be vanishingly rare, and it may seem like a daunting opportunity, but there are ways to make a living doing things that you may really want. You know, let's say, for example, you have a fascination with horses. There are many, many different ways in which you can indulge in that interest and make a living at the same time. You know, you could be the next big rock star, you know, or a caretaker on a national park somewhere, the next great computer engineer. But at some point we all had to get some kind of day job that wasn't ideal. Now, hopefully we can get to a point where a lot of these jobs that are often necessary don't really suck quite as hard. A lot of that does need to come about as a result of some deep systemic change. But as of right now, we got to get an income from somewhere and it may have to be from, you know, a kind of thankless job. And I'm really sorry for that. Now, this goes into kind of my next point, which is kind of a broader sort of understanding of not just the job issue, but really with anything in general. And this is something which I hope is obvious to many people, but I do think that it still needs to be understood and internalized as a worldview. It's just a fact of matter of life that there are going to be things that you have to do that you don't like doing so that you can do the stuff you want. I mean, after all, if you want to eat an apple, but you don't want to reach up to the tree to pick it, you're just not going to have an apple. And again, this is not some kind of moral... Uh, sort of prescription that you uh, must uh, do some kind of degrading work or else you uh, starve on the street. I don't endorse this view at all. All I'm simply saying is that, say, if you want to be able to work with horses, for example, you're probably going to have to find some way to attend university or college. And in the pursuance of that degree or whatever it is that you need to attain, you're going to have to take some classes or 
sit through some stuff that you would absolutely prefer not to sit through. And this isn't just unique to autistic people, of course. Everybody has this issue from time to time. But if you don't sit through some of that stuff, you're not going to be able to get to sit through the stuff that's really interesting to you, and you're not going to be able to uh, properly establish yourself in the kind of life that you envision in your mind. Unless, of course, it doesn't involve that. Then, yeah, you, you there are just things that you're going to have to do in order to get to where you want to go. There are going to be some roads that are going to suck to go down on, but if it gets you there, it gets you there. And that's the important thing to remember regarding this point. Now, even if I made it clear that I'm not trying to try and harp on people on the spectrum as I am. Um, I want to make it clear in my next point that it's definitely okay to make mistakes sometimes. Like I said in the very beginning of this episode, it's not only important that um, your parents let you take a risk, but that you take a risk. You know, and... That's just the process of learning is making mistakes. So don't be so hard on yourself. I know I was. Heck, even time to time, I'm still hard on myself for certain things. For example, I've been struggling with um, trying to lose weight, starting working out and then not again. And at times I've felt deeply ashamed of myself. But... As I've realized before, while it's definitely okay to feel that way, you know, you have high standards and you didn't reach them or you uh, sunk to a lower standard than you applied yourself to, that's okay. Just try not to do that next time or at least don't do it as often. You know, because it is very scary, especially in regard to bigger life issues like paying bills or happening upon an unfortunate circumstance like a car wreck and not being financially prepared for it. It's really scary to think about failure in these sorts of contexts. I know I've been very scared to think about that if I messed up hard enough, especially in a financial manner, that I could end up on the street. And that is something which is largely systemic. A lot of that is largely due to the fact that we have a very silly system when it comes to this sort of thing. But it is okay. You know, you aren't a bad person for forgetting to pay a bill. You aren't a bad person for ending up in unfortunate circumstances or making big mistakes sometimes. So don't beat yourself up over that. It's really important just to maintain your mental health that you don't get so hard on yourself. You know, not only is it okay to make mistakes, in order to be able to get to a better place, you must make mistakes. You know, if you're taking a test, you got to get a wrong answer sometimes so you can retake it later, hopefully, and get the right answer next time. This is the process called learning, isn't it? So don't worry. It'll be okay. And one reason that's going to be okay is going to get into my final point that has to do, again, with this very 
large overarching theme of independence in our lives, right? We want to be able to go out and live the lives we want the way we want to by our own merit. But a lot of people, including myself, can wrongly interpret this as saying you don't need to have anybody else help you. You should be able to do all the stuff that you need to get done or do the stuff you want to do entirely by yourself. But this isn't true at all. You don't ever have to go it completely alone. And this is something I've had to learn over a long period of time. You know, being independent doesn't mean going at it completely alone. In fact, it's probably better to have other people around. And I feel that this is a particularly important point because one thing that tends to disproportionately affect people on the spectrum is the problem of isolation and loneliness that tends to be very common. And while the desire for independence is good, it definitely is good. Let me make that clear. The desire for independence is good. While that is good, it's not good to be isolated. You know, to be independent basically means that you can get by on your own, sure. But you should also be free to go to other people that can help you. I mean, after all, that's kind of the great thing about being a human being. Humans are social animals. Even if we may not understand the particular sorts of things that other humans do sometimes. One thing that a lot of people do definitely want to do is help us. You know, your uh, parental guides, whether they be mother guides, father guides, or guardian guides. People who know them. There are people who are willing to help you. And keep in mind, I'm not necessarily saying you have to go out and be a social butterfly necessarily. Like, I like many others on the spectrum, do definitely like my alone time. I definitely like to have my time to myself, but it's still really nice to know that there are others around, especially if you need help with something. Like, I'll give you a little bit of a view into my current living experience. I'm 29 years old, and I have a job at a bowling alley at well, an undisclosed location. I still live in Arkansas, not too terribly far away from my mother, but, you know, I'm still living pretty far out here. And while I got that job, I'm living in an apartment with my girlfriend and two other roommates. And it's very nice to have those people around. Even if I like my alone time, I still like them still having a presence in my life. It's good to know that they're there in case we can ever help each other out. And it's nice to know that I'm potentially a person that could do the same for them. And speaking of roommates, just a little bit of uh, practical advice when it comes to like the financial stuff. Because again, I know that can be overwhelming, but you don't have to do that alone either. It's in fact often easier, especially in these times to live with roommates when you first move out on your own, like when you first make the move to live in an apartment or a house. It's financially lighter lighter for you to bear, and like I brought up with uh, the problem of isolation, it helps give you the opportunity to make social connections. 
and find other people who share interests with you and hopefully develop even deeper relationships if you should so desire them. So wherever it is you go, you know, however it is that you live, it's always a good idea to have other people around. And it's okay to have some help living the independent life that you want. To live freely and meaningfully as the person you know you really are. So, those are my several points of advice for this uh, episode of The Mother's Guide Through Autism. I hope that everybody who is listening to this episode has gained at least a little bit of insight from this. I really hope it helps you, even if it's just one little tidbit, even if it's just five seconds out of this episode that helped you, I hope that that five seconds really helps you to become the person you really are. And I really thank you for taking the time to listen. Of course, if you have any questions, be sure to uh, leave a comment on this episode or or send an email to the links provided on our website and, of course, on all social media. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening. And it's been wonderful being the host of this episode of The Mother's Guide Through Autism. Hopefully, I can do something like this for you all again very soon. But for now, though, I'd like to turn things back over to the original creator of this host and, of course, The Mother's Guide Through Autism, my mother, Bridget Shipman. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it on social media. You can download my free guide, Five Things I Wish I Knew Raising My Son with Autism, by going to my website, bmvlifecoach.com. Also, please join our private Facebook group, Mother's Guide Through Autism, to get support. I'm sending you all love and hope. Thanks so much for listening.